With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as Nottingham Forest season sits on a knife edge after the agonising 2-1 defeat to Newcastle United on Friday night. And joining me to discuss the game and the state of the Premier League relegation battle is first of all Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, good morning, you well? Morning, Matt. Good, thank you. Good, good. And delighted to be joined by uh, former Reds manager, the manager of my now my second favourite Forest team after last season's promotion winners in Paul Hart. Paul, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Delighted to, to have you with us. You were both at the game on Friday. I couldn't watch it, so I had the pleasure of watching it in full on Saturday morning, knowing the result, which was no fun at all, but um, happy to weigh in with some opinions. But first of all, Paul, as, as guest of honour, what did you make of the game before we come to the relegation picture? It's a, it's a painful way to lose a match, isn't it? It is. You know, you, you, you look at the goals being scored uh, so late on in both halves. Uh, it was um, it was hard to swallow. But, you know, the, um, unfortunately, in your first season of the Premiership, things like this happen. It's a, it's a hard place to be and it's a cruel place. And... You know, I think uh, I think Nottingham Forest are doing very well. I've got to be perf- I've got to be honest, and uh, uh, you know, with a they hit the bar. We know that this is going to happen. You know, and and Steve, I think Nottingham Forest are very fortunate to have a manager uh, like him in terms of his um, manner and the way he. Uh, behaves and the the body languages that that he sends out, uh, you know, they're very lucky. And he's um, him and his staff are doing a fantastic job. I've got to be, you know, got to be honest. It's a terrible, terrible thing. The first season in the Premiership, uh, you know, we've seen many times Norwich and uh, Fulham and all that uh, find it very, very hard. And you know. I don't think Nottingham Forest will be an exception to that. I think they will find it hard. But I've got a feeling, you know, that uh, uh, they have enough to uh, to crack it. Yes, well, we'll come on to that in depth because it's also tied to the bottom. It's a bit of a, a mad season. I mean, on the game, Temps, was it one of those where Newcastle were the better side? But to me, Forest have got to be good enough to see that game out. As Paul said, in each half, you've got to be that bit smarter, haven't you? Newcastle were by far the better side, and I think they, they clearly could have scored three or four times in that game. But once you go into injury time, trying to salvage a point, you, you can't make mistakes like the one that Neokate made. And we'll, we'll get into the nuances of the ones that went our way and the decisions that, that didn't go our way. But ultimately, we got to 90 minutes with a point in our grasp. And, you know, an individual mistake, um, which was punished in a really good game, um, Costas 
And I hope it, you know, I hope it's not the point that ultimately costs us because it's really, really tight down there. We, against the, the run of play, got ourselves into a, a decent position in that game. And that would have been an unbelievably good point given the run of fixtures we've got coming up now. So my, um, yeah, abiding thought on that game is that the most crucial mistake was the one that Moussa Niakate made in injury time. Um, we'll get to that. Obviously, is the big talking point. I mean, on the team selection temps, it basically the team was leaked early, which is not great for Forest's point of view. We were discussing it and felt it was a bit of a gamble. I spoke to Gary Bertles on Saturday morning, and he liked it and thought there was positive intent. How did you see that team selection with the change in formation to four two three one? Yeah, I like the positive intent, and the the chat within Forest was a realization before this game they need three wins to stay up. So why not go for it at home? And, and pick a team that's going to get us on the front front foot. As it happened, we, we conceded a lot of possession. We still played with the deep block and we couldn't retain the ball. And I think that this selection um, was, was designed to enable us, A, to retain the ball and build a meaningful attack every time we had a possession. But there's still that slight confusion that with this counter-attacking style and the, the need to use um, pace down the sides we build very quickly and in this instance with a, a well-drilled Newcastle team they just picked us off recycled the ball for themselves and we, we we couldn't lay a glove on them for long periods in that in that first half so I'm not saying it was a, a failed experiment but there'll certainly be a lot of changes when we come back after the international break I'm pleased that he proved that no one is beyond reproach for me Yatesy is the heartbeat of this side Froiler needed to come out having not offered enough in the games that he's played and we saw a Brennan Johnson there who we didn't think was going to play and was probably 80-85% fit and not quite as effective as he would have been if he was at full strength. So, yeah, I, I liked it pre-match, but I, I know for sure he's going to change it when we play Wolves. What did you make of the side, Paul, in general playing? They had a two in midfield against a three, basically. We, 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 is that a good idea or did it feel like a gamble? Oh, well... Uh... I think at home you've got to try and score. You know, you, I think you've always got to try and score a goal, give yourself a chance of scoring a goal. But um, uh, I mean, they, uh, uh, you know, Forest dropped um, uh, dropped one onto the onto their number four. Um, I, I think that Newcastle are a pretty good team, and. Um, you know they've they've torn a few teams apart uh, higher up than Nottingham Forest and uh, um, but I thought I thought it was right to uh, to have a goal and try and score a goal. You know you you've got to give yourself a chance to score goals uh, no matter what uh, unless you go to perhaps you go to the Etihad and you're playing uh, or the Emirates and you're playing a side that uh, are as good as those two. Um, but you know, they twice they were in a position to, uh, as, as you just said, to get a point. And uh, I think the biggest disappointment will, will be the way that um, uh, Newcastle scored the goal. Um, I'll get Paul's take on Emmanuel Dennis in a minute, Temps. But we spoke about Dennis before the game and felt like maybe it was his time to shine. Uh, and to be fair, he's come up with a, a magic finish, hasn't he? What did you make of him overall? Yeah, great finish, first of all. He was alert to what, what the defender was going to do. 
and the poise just take that extra touch past the keeper and then almost lift it over over Trippier um, was that was an elite finish. No two ways about it. I think once again though it was a, a performance punctuated by highlights and it ultimately left us uh, really frustrated, didn't it? His record of production, by the way, when he started, is pretty good. I think he's got a couple of goals and, a, and an assist in in four starts. So statistically. Um, you, you could call for him having more exposure. However, when everyone's fit, when Taiwo plays, I think he offers far more in that position because of his physical um, presence as well. Um, took the goal very, very well, didn't he? That, that was the finish of a, of, a, of a sharp striker. And he hasn't let us down when he started. I just think that with so many players um, becoming available for selection ahead of the next game, his place could still be at, at risk. But uh, yeah, he was he was among the Forest players for me that had better games on Friday night. Um, I still don't think we've seen a complete 90-minute performance from Emmanuel Dennis by any means, but he, he produced a finish which gave us a fighting chance in the in the game. And if we had have defended better and kept our kept our call uh, late on, then we'd have been lauding him a bit more because his goal would have had an impact on the outcome. So, from a manager's point of view, Paul, what would you make of Dennis? Because he's a maverick, and Forest fans uh, that he's growing on them, but they're quite frustrated by him. From a coaching point of view, would he wind you up because he doesn't really fit a, a tactical framework as well as other players, or do you do you take the what he can offer and, and take it on the chin? Well, I, I looked at him. Uh, I haven't seen very much uh, of him, uh, but I, I looked at him the other night. I thought he was aggressive and. Uh, you know, he got up and down, he, he ran hard, uh, he had ability. Um, and players like that need a little bit of rhythm, uh, you know, so maybe this um, will be the start uh, for him. You know, he uh, he got about the pitch and, uh, and, and as you said, the goal was a, a cracking goal. Um, so maybe, maybe uh, he can play himself into the team. Um, your mic's a little bit staticky, Paul, so I'm going to remove you and then ask you to come back in and see if it fixes it. Um, so hopefully it does. So I'll let you go and you'll be back with us in one minute, hopefully. I'll kick a question towards Temp. So just join us again in one sec. Right, hopefully that fixes Paul's mic. It's not too bad, but it's a little bit staticky. Just before Paul joins us and we move on, Temps, I mean, does Dennis get a run in the team now for you for a couple of matches after the international break and, until maybe Tyro's back or Woods fit again? Well, he was limping for a long time after the game. Uh, we we saw him about half an hour afterwards. He was still in his kit and having a bit of a having a bit of a hobble around. Um, hopefully, just an impact thing. And you know, after a couple of days off and a bit of ice on there, he'll be he'll be back in there. Look, I like him as an option. I think he's different. We know he can produce. When he has those moments, I think in my best Forest eleven, Taiwo starts in his place, uh, but he has a he has a role to play from the bench. Start me off in the midfield discussion while I um, bring Paul back in. Then um, does Shelby work? That's the big question. It feels like good player, but maybe not for the right, not at this moment. Shelby frustrates because I think he is the right player. There's for, for two reasons: a that physical presence. He's a bit of a monster. Um, he adds that, uh, that that he should be able to add that physicality, but he lacks a bit of intensity for me defensively. And we've seen a, a couple of examples where he's been a little, little bit passive, defending in his own box, um, not putting enough pressure on the player in possession. And it's, it's cost his goals. 
What I like about him is his range of passing. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a hopeful punt for the Dennis goal, but he can put the ball in the right area and he can execute things that few others in our team can. He's been shown to be defensively wanting though, hasn't he? And in, in the games that we're going to have, where we're going to win by one goal more often than not, it's so important that our, our central midfielders um, shield the back four as much as they possibly can. There's a lot of people in the comments giving Shelby a bit of a bit of a kick in. I like the element that he brings, the vision, um, the range of passing, the experience. To a point, the leadership. I'm so frustrated by the lack of intensity without the ball. I just think it's something that's within his grasp to fix. It's not like a, it's not a, a skill deficiency. It's a choice, isn't it? It's an intensity. It's a work rate. You know that thing that that Yatesy has in abundance. So they've they've put Yatesy in maybe as a bit of a minder to let let Shelby have a. Uh, a, a bit less defensive responsibility in there. But for me, if he's going to keep his place in the team and bring um, the best of his game, he's, he's got to adapt or overcome that, that weakness, which is just that slight clumsiness and, and lack of intensity defensively. So Paul's back with us. Good to have him back. I think you would have heard all that, Paul, about John Joe Shelby, the midfield balance, fans questioning Shelby, particularly defensively, and whether he can play in a two. What, what do you make of his performance? And is he the kind of player you can carry in a relegation battle like this? Uh, I think so. But, uh, you know, probably um, in a three, uh, uh, you know, one and a two. Uh, he's a very good player. Uh, and he, he, you know, one or two of the passes he, get, he gave were... Uh, other players wouldn't have seen those passes. You know, he's he's got that little bit of extra, but probably uh, uh, with a four and two eights, uh, it may may look better. But you know, you can't argue with the fact that you're trying to score goals at home. So, uh, um, and that's you know, <clears throat> I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that will probably be changed at some point. See a bit like I'm trying to think of a comparison, maybe in terms maybe like a Gareth Williams, someone who's brilliant on the ball but not the most athletic and not the best defensive. I do maybe I'm doing Gareth a disservice there and not remembering how good he was without the ball. But is he that sort of player that maybe you do need in your midfield when you get him in the right positions on the ball, on the right part of the pitch? Uh, possibly, uh, I think you've you know you've got to let him. Uh when the team's in possession he's he's got to be functioning and uh, you've got to give him his head to a degree um uh but i think you know you get a number 4 and uh, and Ryan Yates uh then i think that looks a good balance yeah i mean just talk to us about yates does he look like he, he looks like a Premier League quality midfielder now, doesn't he? He's probably been voice best midfielder all season. In fact, I'm sure he has. Well, he's uh, he does in every league he play. I saw him in League Two, and uh, uh, when when we were at Luton, uh, when he was on loan at uh, Notts County and things like that, we uh, he's we've seen him in the Championship. He he does he does similarly to. Uh, Henderson at Liverpool, you know, he gives everything and 
uh, plays the game simply, you know, which is the key to uh, to the quality of a, a top footballer. Oh, I'm so happy to hear Paul comparing to Jordan Henderson. I've been doing that for years and people think I'm stupid, but uh, yeah, I'm happy with that one. So, Temps, interesting what Paul says there about with a four, which kind of reiterates what we've been saying. You think about Kuyate being yeah. quite a missing link in this side that can complete the triangle in a sense if it is Yates, Kuyate and maybe Shelby or Freuler. Well, quick word on Yates, right? He's become the heartbeat of the side and he has that the, the perfect attitude, that self-awareness that, his limiting factors mean he has to be the fittest, the most energetic, and has to has to be in everywhere um, to to make an impact on a football match. And to see him carry that from the Championship to the Premier League has been you know, brilliant for Forest fans. Um, Koyate, I hope, can come back and be the player that he was before the the, the injury um, that he, he suffered for for Senegal. Because I think with two minders, exactly how Paul describes that can give more licence and less responsibility to, to John Joe Shelby. And also more crucially, hopefully get him on the ball um, further into that middle third rather than come in and, and, and dragging it off the, the fullback or the, or the centre-half and having to, to play from deep. So, yeah, in my, in my best midfield three um, would consist of Yates, Coyate and Shelby, if, if that is possible after the international break. Um, because we have we have to learn from this performance. We we can't expect to um, restart an unbeaten run at home, which is only just ended, by the way. I think we were nine unbeaten at the City Ground before we lost on Friday night. Um, I think Koyate could be the uh, enforcer that that we need to 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 get more of a foothold in games. Because on Friday night, when we were frustrated, when we were without the balls for a long period of time, we just resorted to fouling them. And they had quality from every set piece, and you know, eventually, eventually, it told. But we need to be more organised than that. We need to be more disciplined. We need to make hard tackles and re regain possession rather than conceding free kicks in our, our own third. And I, I think the experience of Koyate in the running could be crucial. Um, before I come back to Paul, and yeah, I was going to pull about Gibbs White, but I just want to throw two more names at you, Temps, because yeah. you obviously more for us to see that people are mentioning Mangala and Danilo as the other names, and people aren't actually saying Freud there as much now, but. Um, Danilo and Mangala as the third one in there, maybe ahead of Shelby or not for you? I'm just with, with Danilo. I'm just thinking back to the the frustration of the Leeds performance, where we saw those flashes of his physicality on the ball and how he was able to brush off the opposition, but allowed that to how often he gave it away, and that was just him adapting to the the pace of the the Premier League um, after a long season in Brazil. I think when he gets back in the side, we'll see a better version of him just because he would have become more adept to the intensity in training, more of a chance to uh, understand what Cooper's trying to get across. And also of all the signings, he's the one that struggles the most with the language. He has very little English and being plugged into the side as he did early on would have been tough for him. Not making excuses, he has to adapt to that because he's, his potential is, is, is huge, isn't it? I just think that with what's at stake, Cooper will turn first to the proven performers. Danilo will eclipse Koyate in years to come. But for me, the player for right now is, is Koyate. Um, other player you mentioned was Mangala. We, we have a good record. I think our points record with Mangala in the team is, is, is strong. Um, he's, again, shown in 45-minute in bursts that he, he can be effective. I think he's got 
more of an all-round game, perhaps, and one or two others who are in the side for a, a particular um, elite asset. Um, so back in the Belgian squad as well. So there's obviously something been noted there about his, his form and fitness, which he struggled with in the in the first half of the season. Um, he'll be a bench player for me in that crucial week after the international break. I don't think he'll start um, the first game back, but he'll, he'll get plenty of minutes between now and the end of the season. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I mean, obviously you've been managing in Premier League relegation battles, Paul, so you're better placed than any of us to talk about this. Do you understand the mentality of Steve Cooper to go for the tried and tested of Shelby over Danilo, who's a 20-year-old Brazilian who's obviously very talented, but never played in this country. Do you kind of circle the wagons around the players you know and you trust a bit more in this situation as a manager? Well, uh, I uh, was very fortunate at Portsmouth to have the calibre of player uh, around me, you know, full of experience. And uh, what we had to do was, uh, you know, even great players get nervy and they need a bit of help now now and again. And it was just how we approached it and talked to them and uh, settled them down a little bit. Uh, and I, you know, and the key to the sentence I've just uh, delivered there was experience. And I think you've got to use what had, whatever you've got uh, in situations like this. Uh, uh, Shelby's got Premier League experience. He's, uh, he's nerveless in, in terms of uh, facing the big games and uh, uh, I think you would also you would always have to consider uh, playing him you know because um, with the best one in the world I, you know I don't think there are many players at Nottingham Forest with premiership experience um, I might be wrong on that but I don't think there's too much uh and you've you've got to you've got to find it wherever you can. It's important. The other player I want to get your take on Paul that feeds into this midfield debate, although he doesn't necessarily play in the midfield. And I'll ask Thames to say about that. Is Morgan Gibbs White? He's gone off the boil a bit of late. Do you see an elite level player in there potentially, Paul, or does he need well, to do he, a bit more? He uh, he played like a number ten, didn't he, on uh, on Friday? Um, uh, I think he he probably is better uh, higher up the pitch. Um, I, I I liked that. I've only just recently started watching Nottingham Forest, so you have to forgive me a little bit. I uh, uh, I, I was working up until January, so I uh, I saw them play. They played a a little bit of a diamond with two with uh, Brennan and uh, and Morgan up front when I saw them in the first couple of games and um, and they were a handful, you know, uh, quick, uh, spinning off in between um, centre-backs and full-backs, uh, very difficult for, for teams to play against. But you've got to play, to, when you to, to get two up front, you've got to be 
know who you're playing against and uh, uh, I wouldn't ever say that every game you can do it but we're talking about Morgan uh, I think he's a useful player um, yeah yeah, the question I was going to ask you about Morgan Temps is a lot of fans was thinking that Chris Wood has detracted from Morgan in the team. I'm beginning to wonder if we keep going on about Shelby, but whether Shelby playing the ball that bypasses Morgan is an issue that you know either Forrest is going to have to overcome or Morgan's going to have to overcome if they're both going to be in the side, do you think? Yeah, it's a fair point. I think um, the, the focus of the period just after the World Cup was was getting Morgan Gibbs White on the ball, wasn't it? And, and you're right, some of with Shelby's range of passing comes occasionally bypassing him because so many of our um, goals have been created by him beating the first man, having a broken field and then slipping people in, in, the, in the right space. So that's fair. But, you know, the, the priority of other players isn't to make Morgan Gibbs White tick and it's with Steve Cooper to try and get a tune out of those combinations. Um I think Chris Chris Wood's got a, a big chance of coming back into this side. I think one of the challenges we had at the in the early part of the season was being under pressure and clearing the ball to a front two of five foot ten quick lads who were never going to compete with Premier League centre halves. Taiwo got a bit of a grip, didn't he, and became more physical. Surridge had flashes, but the, the best of Chris Wood does that. I haven't personally seen yet what Andre Ayew's elite characteristic is, what, what he what he brings to to this team that um, Chris Ward or a fit Taiwo or you know maybe even Sam Surridge doesn't. I think his place will come under immediate threat after the break, and we'll look to to more than likely one of those two, either Taiwo or um, Chris Ward, to to be more disruptive than. Andre Ayu has. I thought he had a relatively anonymous performance on, on Friday night and he needs to do far more if he wants to keep that shirt. Uh, uh, Temps mentions Andre Ayu there, Paul. He was involved in the first goal, losing it in a bad area. I mean, Forrest felt it was a foul. What was your take on the goal from a manager's point of view and did you think it was a foul on the halfway line? Uh, I think it was one of those where you... I don't know. It's you know, I, 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 players uh, fall over all over the place at the moment. I'm not accusing uh, Andre of doing that, but by any stretch of the imagination, it could have been a foul. Yeah. What about from there? Do Forest have to be better to to see the situation out so close to half time? Well, you, it's easy to say, and uh, uh, and we all know that that's what should happen. Um, I, I do keep saying it. You know, it's we're in the Premiership, and it's it's uh, it's brutal. Um, you know, good players. You're asking people to hold the ball. I saw Ayu play for Swansea, uh, and he was arguably their best player. You know, he up front uh, in a three, getting hold of it with his pace and everything. Uh, so. I think it, it shows the, the the massive gulf and uh, uh, between the championship and the premiership, and how if you can get it, you need the time to bridge that gap. And do you I, just... Matt, sorry, so I was going to jump in on that. It, it was a foul, right? It was a foul, but we didn't defend well enough after that. 
and we'll talk later about a, a decision which which went our way. And I, I think it's a it's a bad look crying about it on on social media um, as we did. And I think uh, Steve Cooper was man enough in the press conference to say that wasn't the reason. There's no excuse. There's no barb at the ref in in this game. We didn't compete enough. It was the, it was the right result on the balance of play. We, we, you can't hold on to those moments that that go against you. Because we all have this condition where we, we conveniently forget the bits that, that, that did go our way. And that was, that was a massive let off for me. I don't want to talk about it now because now you're going to ask about, about it in a, in a second. But we didn't lose that game because Andre Ayew was, was fouled. We conceded two goals which were avoidable. Simple as that. Just before we come on to VAR and that goal that was disallowed, just on Isaac, Paul and the quality of the finish... I mean, he cost 65 million, 70 million quid. And you could see that quality in that moment. And he played very well against Wolves the week before. I mean, that's what you get at the top end of the Premier League with that kind of money, isn't it? Yeah, he's a good player. No question. And uh, um, they've also got a few years' experience of being in the Premiership. You know, it's um, it means a lot. And uh, you become hardened to the... to the. Uh, I mean, they've, they've got quality players. They've... The right backs in England international still, and uh, you know it's uh, the goalkeeper is, you know I work with him at Charlton. He's uh, he's unbelievable goalkeeper. These are um, these are top players. Could you see he was going? Oh, I'm going off on a tangent here. Could you see Pope was going to be that good at that that far and the levels we, in that early in his career? Well, when he came in, he, he, he was playing under 21s, under 23s, where uh, he, was a, he was a good goalkeeper, as, as we know goalkeepers, you know, stopping, stopping shots. You know, he stopped shots right away. He's improved uh, his, his feet. He's worked really hard at that. Um, uh, but he, you know... He saves them with his feet. I mean, I mean there was, uh, I think there was a shot in the first half where everybody stood up and I, and I missed it. I had to wait for the thing, but he, he blocked it with his feet, you know, and that's what he does. He keeps the ball out of the net. Mm, true, true. Uh, VAR then attempts, as you mentioned it. I watched the goal back and I knew it had been disallowed, but I couldn't really see why until when I watched it initially. My dad was texting me during the game, like, disallowed for VAR. And I was like, oh, good. I watched it back. It's like, well, I didn't see anything there, so it looked a bit odd. Was it the right decision in the end, or did Forrest massively get away with one? I think we got away with one there. So the I've heard a couple of refs and Gary Neville trying to interpret this this rule. So it's offside because Felipe is deemed to have saved the ball rather than made a deliberate play. And that's the subjective bit which the ref is charged with making a, a snap decision on. For me, he adjusts his feet and he plays it with his instep. So it's a very deliberate action from Felipe to, to clear the ball. Um, the rule seems to suggest that if that's a deflection, if it comes off his hip or, or whatever, then by the letter of the law, it's, it's, it's offside. Longstaff's in an offside position, but irrelevant if Felipe is said to have played the ball. So I think if I was arguing for this in the, in the inverse, um, I, I, would, I would be... You know, dejected and quite angry if 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 that had, had made an impact on the on the outcome of the of the game. So yeah, weird rule, one that I wasn't aware of, but that's the one we got away with. So you know, careful those that are out there 
blaming the ref for any any kind of uh, meaningful impact on this on this game. If we're going to discuss the IU uh, incident, we need to look at this in the in the same light. And for me, they they interpreted that wrongly. But you take that look, and we find ourselves at uh, one all through those circumstances, and still it becomes about concentration in that in that key moment that that cost us later on. But yeah, there's an example of um, you know two bad decisions, if you like, evening themselves out. So I don't know if you've got anything to add to that on that incident, Paul. But what's your take on VAR in general? You don't have it in the championship when you've been working at Luton these last few years. Do you hate uh, it when you see it in Premier League football, or do you are you on board? Uh, I think it's made for. Um a bit of drama and uh but I, you know you score a goal and you you're waiting sometimes 3 minutes or something to to get it just kills the kills the kills the mood a little bit but you know there's been good or bad there's been uh, it still has a human element at the end doesn't it you know it still has to go to uh wherever it is and uh, and there's a there's a geezer there uh making a decision so it's you know and we've found out that the chap uh whoever's been there have have made mistakes so but i think overall it's it's uh it's okay somebody's got to explain to me uh what offside is because i'm uh i'm at a loss it's um you know first it was you know if 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 your nose was offside it would be allowed. This was a couple of years ago. Then it changes to any part of your body, outside your knee or anything. You know, sometimes I think maybe if you just say, uh, just give them offside. You know, so everybody knows where we are because I think it's a lot of conjecture. True. It's the same with handball as well. What's I don't. Even, I have no idea what handball is these days anymore. Ask <laughs> Musonia Carte. He'll tell you. Well, yes, okay. Musonia Karate, Paul. Terrible, terrible error to concede that goal. I mean, the, the chap here, he hadn't played since August because of injury. First 90 minutes, he hadn't played a 21s game or anything. Was that the symptom of a, a tired mind more than anything for you, having played centre half at that level? Uh, it, I mean, it's a possibility, but uh, I mean, even when I played, when there were, you know, Two cameras and a man and a dog at the stadium. I, you know, you're brought up to keep your hands away from the uh, from the bill, the ball, uh, mainly because as long as it's the ball's alive, there there would be a chance the keeper might save it, the, somebody else might pull you out of the doodah and uh, uh, keep your hands away. You know, it's um, it's a poor. Uh, penalty to give away it may be because of tiredness I don't, I don't know but the golden rule is you keep your hands down and now where there are cameras everywhere you are never going to get away with anything no i mean we saw from his reaction temps he yeah. knew what he'd done straight away right? you know yeah. there's no there's no denying it is there we'll come on to his performance but you're not going to get away with that one are you that's a real uh, like joe tell them that's a real gaffe he, he knew straight away it was a it was a penalty and I was, he was a player I was really excited about pre-season. Saw him in a couple of games, physically imposing, can can play football, can can find a can find a pass. But you know, we've seen him playing the Newcastle game where we got turned over opening game. He's come in and pulled his hammy 
and by all, by all accounts not taking the recovery quite as seriously as he perhaps um, should have done. Re-injured himself in the in the process, come back and handballed in the 93rd minute. So I still think that he will settle into this side and become a starting centre-half because he has certain qualities that some of the people he's um, vying with for that, for that position don't have. But his body of work as a Forest player at the minute isn't isn't all that impressive, is it? And we need to see the best of him in the running because if Paul Hart is the gaffer of Forest and walks in after that game, the person he's calling out straight away is Moussa Niakate because everything else pales into insignificance if you found a way to find a point. And because of, because of that decision that he made to put his hand where he put it and and uh, defend defend the ball in that way we've come out of a hard-fought game with with nothing and you know that will have an impact I think the mindset going into the international break with a point in the bag is is far more positive than the the one that we find ourselves with with now it it just yeah it it, it grinded me and I think it was totally avoidable um, I think Cooper will have called him out and I think he'll have apologised to his teammates and hopefully we'd be motivated to put it right on the on the pitch but just a crazy decision um from a player who should be doing everything he can to impress his teammates his manager and the supporters and find a way to to stay in the side i was so disappointed with that moment yeah i mean personally i felt he did struggle in the game and i think that's understandable because he hadn't played for so long and i wonder if it was a it was a gamble playing him the game before the international break with two weeks training. But I do think long-term, as you say, he's going to be a regular in the side because he's got the raw materials for him and Felipe to be a good pairing and we have to give him more time. He looks like he's, you know, he, he is a good player, but it didn't happen for him in this game and he's got to, to front up. What would you have said to him afterwards, the game, afterwards Paul? Uh, Temp said you'd have called him out. I mean, would you have called him out or do you give him till Monday and then let him think about it and then call him out in training on Monday? Be honest, Hearty. Be honest, Hearty. I'm a changed man. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, 20 years ago, uh, I I think uh, it's important to address it. Whether... whether, uh, it would have been addressed right afterwards when uh, it's not a good thing. Uh, it's not a good idea to sometimes as a manager to address things like that straight away. I'm not saying it's a bad thing either. <laughs> but it's uh, as non-committal as I'm, I can get. Well, look, Des, Des, sorry, Des Walker wouldn't have needed telling, would he? But if, if a young Michael <laughs> Dawson... Did that? You, you'd have taken him into the boot room and, and, and told him what for. I'm sure. Well, I, well, if I can tell you a story, I uh, uh, my first summer at Nottingham Forest uh, as a player, and we were playing in a tournament somewhere in Holland, and it was at the other end of the pitch. But uh, I ran in, and it was going over my head, and they were going to head it, and I put my hand up quietly, if you know what I mean. And uh, flicked it off the uh, the head, but it also flicked off Gary Burkle's head as well. And the manager, the manager invited me to sit next to him if it ever happened again. <laughs> Let me ask you about another specific one, Paul. Actually, this popped up on Twitter yesterday about there was a game in two thousand and two where both Prutz, who we know well, obviously this podcast, and Jack Lester got sent off against Watford 
in the first half. I don't know if you recall it, but I remember Prutt saying he was terrified you were going to tear into him. I think it was even in the first half. Do you recall that game? I, do you know, I don't. I, um, it was in the Championship, was it? I think you lost 2-0 at home to Watford. And I've seen the video. Prutz got sent off for a leg breaker and Jack basically stamped on someone's knee in the first half. Oh, right. I, I, do you know, I can't remember that. And uh, But both lads... Um, uh, well, you know, you know them. They're, they're great lads, and uh, that's it, it's uncharacteristic of of those two players to uh, you know to be uh, sent off. Do you know? I can't. I can't. I mean, I, I, I say I don't say this lightly, you know. But I can't even be. My memory is not the same as it used to be, and I can't even be accused of heading it too much because I used to centre off, head the ball, and uh, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Anyway, just, they, they didn't mean it and they were good boys. <laughs> just back to Felipe and the Ucate temps. Uh, uh, you were uh, felt Felipe played well. I felt it all was all very harem scarum and chaotic and maybe that was because they didn't know each other and the one was covering each other's deficiencies. Well, I thought, like I said, Niacate struggled and maybe Felipe was covering him. Am I being harsh on Felipe and just in general you think there is a good pairing there? Yeah, this this was, our, I suppose, our biggest disagreement, having both seen the game. Uh, Felipe, for me, was the most assured of the defenders. I think I was very surprised when Aurier was announced as man of the match in the stadium. It was Felipe, for me, both for his um, doing the basics, heading and tackling, but also he did put his foot on the ball. He did drive forward. He did, he did find a pass. He just looked more assured. His experience came to the, came to the fore. Um, in a game where it didn't for for one or two others, so yeah, interested to see what the, the the views are in the in the comments. But for me, Felipe was Forest's best performer on Friday night. Keeps his side, and the this place that's up for grabs is the one alongside him because I think he's inked in for the rest of the season. Yeah, people in the comments agree with you and disagree with me. I thought he he was maybe a six out of ten or a seven out of ten, not the eight or maybe nine that people are saying. Is he a defender you like, Paul? From I know you haven't seen much of him, Felipe, but he, he's a he's quite tough at the back and he loves a tackle. What would you say about him from what you've seen? Yeah, I, I thought he did okay uh, uh, the other night. I, I find it um, to speak in general terms. You know, uh, centre backs, defenders, they don't they don't deal with uh, the principles of defending anymore. You know. I, we see penalties in abundance in the Premiership. You know, people diving in, not staying on the feet. We see people getting booked for tackles that uh, look like they should be in the 1960s. But the reason they look so bad is because they're they're going to ground and the, it's lazy defending. So the principle of defending, you know, stay on your feet and and uh, jockey and push them away, and um, it's. Uh, you know, and I've I've been working in academies for thirty odd years, and uh, the one thing that I do teach are that are more than anything are the principles of, of attacking play and defending. And uh, unfortunately, I I feel that worldwide or you know or whatever, we uh, we we're missing <clears throat> the art of defending certainly. I mean, people in the comments agree that Felipe was our best player. So maybe I was wrong, but I thought, I mean, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's been the best of the January signings and been an excellent addition. But I think it felt like it was all a bit chaotic and on a knife edge in that game to me personally. But maybe 
it was a bit kind of not knowing the Akate so much and trying to forge that partnership, but still a big fan of his, certainly. Let's talk about the relegation picture in general then. I'll ask, I know Paul's quite confident. How are you feeling, Tam? I don't think I'm disclosing anything at all by saying Mikey's very, very worried. Greg's Greg. I'm getting increasingly worried. It feels like it's hanging on this Wolves game ever more and the, the path to staying up is getting narrower. How are you feeling? I've booked the week off work from the 1st to the 8th of April when we will play Wolves, Leeds and Villa in quick succession. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll just be hanging around my house like a school secretary in August, I'd imagine. But um, that week is going to define this season. There's a scenario in which in, in which Steve Cooper doesn't make it through that week, such as, such as its importance and the, the pressure that we know exists at this level. However, it's also an opportunity to you know, restore the daylight that we had three, four weeks ago. And if we do beat Wolves on the on the 1st of April, that table will look a lot different. The feeling around the club will look a lot different. And I hope and pray my target, as I've said for, for a long, long time, is that Steve Cooper becomes the first manager in a long time to start and end a season uh, at Nottingham Forest. Those games are massive. They're teams in and around us, certainly in the case of, of Wolves and, and Leeds. Villa have got themselves uh, away from that congested pack who are vying to avoid the, the drop. I'm confident in the sense I think it's more likely than not that we will stay up, but it's on a knife edge. And if you offered me 17th on goal difference right now, I'd absolutely bite your hand off. It's that tight. We've had some some of the wind has come out of our sails, but we have this run of, of three games in a week, which will come to define our season and, and where it ends. The bookies have it now basically 50-50. I think they're up to have it 50-50, basically. Forest have got a one year to come back, Kuyate to come back, a fully fit Yates, hopefully, a fully fit Brennan, hopefully. So I can see signs of hope, but it is very worrying at the moment. I mean, Paul, are you... Still got belief that this team can stay up? Well, I, I think uh, uh, I, I like, and I've always encouraged, um, for instance, Nathan Jones to, you know, when we were, uh, when we went back in uh, two and a half years ago, we were uh, dead and buried in the championship and we, we managed to stay up by, oh, I don't know, easily. And it's targeting games where, uh, you, you know, you've got to be honest uh, and say where you can get a point from, how you set up for a point and, and goals. I think there's enough uh, below us that are going to have a struggle as well. And I think that, uh, I don't know uh, whether, whether it's 36 or 38 points, it may be around that, that uh, sort of uh, area where it, it's uh, that's where we need to be pitching. How do you stop the players feeling the pressure then? Because uh, yeah, this Wolves game it does look must win. I don't know if it is or not in your mind, but how do you address that with the players so they don't walk out at three pm and totally bottle it? What what would the message be? Well, I, I don't think uh, I don't think you talk about it in in that respect. Uh, mental strength is an important part of being a professional footballer and uh, uh, dealing with these situations 
is not all about the manager. It's, uh, uh, you know, I know, I, I think that Steve won't be uh, creating uh, a situation around the club that's nervy and uh, and on edge. Um, and he'll be giving them the tools to to uh, get a point or three points, whatever, whatever, whatever is necessary. But I do think that um, uh, you know Southampton, Bournemouth, Everton. I mean, you know, there's a number of uh, clubs there that are, are going to find it hard as well. Yeah, there's an interest. The fixtures are so interesting. I mean, Forest look rough on paper. Leicester on paper have got the easier games. Palace have got the easier games. I mean, another one of your former clubs, Paul. If you're a Palace player this morning without a manager, are you worried as well? I would be. I I, I, uh, I found that a, a strange um, parting of the ways, to be honest. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I'd be uh, I'd be worried, you know, because who 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 are you going to bring in? I don't know that. Mm. You know, it's mm. uh, somebody who's maybe not tried and tested, or a, another foreign coach. Which, well, you know, I don't know. I think they, uh, yeah, I think they'll 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 have problems. I I should just ask you briefly about Chris Cohen and Nathan Jones. You know them so well. You feel for them. It was a tough job going into Southampton. It didn't work out. Uh, it, it, you, know, you have to commiserate with them, I guess, don't you, as a friend of theirs? Yeah, uh, they, it was a very difficult situation. You know, they uh, Southampton uh, brought in quite a lot of players in the summer that were uh, hadn't got any experience whatsoever in the Premiership, and uh, uh, the previous manager hasn't uh, found it difficult. Uh, there was no reason to be- to believe that. Uh, a new manager would find it any more easier. Uh, uh, but they, you know, it's been a sobering um, and testing time for them. They've uh, they've debriefed and, uh, um, you know, and they're very good. <laughs> the bottom line is they're very good. You know, uh, we all know Chris from Nottingham Forest and he's been absolutely uh, brilliant at, at Luton Town. Nathan's, uh, you know, he's got to have a have a look at things and reassess. Uh, but uh, but I, I've got faith in uh, both of them. I, I think they'll come back. Just looking in the comments, one thing that there's a West Ham fan called Karen in there who says he's panicking as well. I just think like there's so many unknown variables at the moment about when we're going to play these teams, and people are saying about oh you can write off Man U and Arsenal and Chelsea. I wouldn't do that. Because, you know, look at Spurs, for example. A couple of weeks ago, you didn't want to play Spurs. I'd love to play them tomorrow. And Everton are next, which is a bit annoying. So you're going to play teams in different situations. I think it's a bit pointless kind of predicting how we're going to get points off here and there as fans. As much as we'd love to find a scenario where we get 15 points or might end up with six points. I think we just have to wait and see at the moment. These next couple of weeks are going to be essential. One thing I just want to put to both of you quickly, which is a reasonable question that people are asking, um, Mark in the comments. A few fans are starting to question Steve Cooper tactically and in terms of if he's the right man for the job. Uh, Paul, and you, you obviously think he is 100% still from what you were saying at the start about Forrest lucky to have him? 
I do. Yeah, I think uh, I think Nottingham Forest are very lucky to have him. He's very rounded, uh, very calm, uh, and I think uh, uh, right there and, and up for the job and up for the challenge that's that's uh, in front of him. You know, he, he's him and his staff have done an amazing job since they came in, uh, uh, and the change. Uh, from Championship to Premiership, it's what it's what everybody wants, but it's it's uh, it's no picnic, and um, you know you need consistency uh, and uh, and belief, you know, and I, I I think he's done a great job, and will continue to do that sort of job. And temps, just before we finish, two questions quickly. I mean, uh, you you still you're still on board with Cooper, and the other one I was going to ask was. Do you see confidence in this team starting to erode a little bit in terms of the performances haven't been great? Uh, is that a concern? I was going to ask you, going into the Wolves game, do you feel like they've got to get this win quickly? Otherwise, they are going to be an even bigger bother and it starts looking a bit desperate. I'm still firmly behind Steve Cooper. Um, I remember the situation that he inherited and he's engineered a position where we've got a, a more than realistic chance of, of staying in the Premier League, which would have been absolutely unthinkable the day that he, he walked into our club. However, the ownership are not going to let him take us down. And I think, I, I doubt they would let him get through that week when we come back after the international break with any less than four to six points without asking some kind of, of question. That's for them. Me, as a Forest fan, firmly behind Steve Cooper. I remember a line that Harty um, trotted out when he was being touted by other clubs when he was doing well at Forest. He said, it's a fickle business and you soon forgotten. And unfortunately, in football management, that is absolutely true. It's on to the next one. And before you know it, they get a win and you, you're buoyed by um, the, being in the moment and, and, and they're planted to, to improve things and to, um, to garner a turnaround. Confidence. Um, I mean, look, we're looking at our situation, but we, we, we've talked about five or six other clubs who are equally bereft of confidence. We've had a wobble. We had a really good run where we put back to those those back to back wins against Leeds and Southampton and got ourselves into a nice situation. I think we've since taken two points out of a possible 18 and are feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves. Beat Wolves, that flips, momentum changes. And we're back on the surge. I just, I just hope um, that we can get a result in that game because that will settle the Cooper debate and it will settle the confidence issue in the course of ninety minutes. Yeah, I think like that game feels ever more essential with teams around Forest digging in a bit and picking up points here and there. That Forest need to need to do that as well. And, go to Leeds and go to Villa and get something. But that's a question for another day. Um, just before we go, then a couple of minutes, Paul. Um, you said you, you know, you, you've only started watching for us recently, so you've been at Luton. You, you, what's happening with you at the moment? You've finished up at Luton. How, what's your future looking like in the game, do you think? Uh, well, I I put my notice in at Luton, just to clear everything up. When Nathan left and went to Southampton, I put my notice. I was, been, I was doing the academy for the last 12 months, so I restructured that and got everything in place so I felt uh, it was probably the right time for me to bow out plus 100 miles a day is not easy uh, on a 70 year old <laughs> so but uh, I don't know um, I've not said I'm retiring 
Um, but this wonderful game has a habit of telling you when to retire. And maybe it's knocking on the door. I don't know. We'll see. Is that, and it finally, is that quote Temp said regurgitating yourself, is that ever more true about it's a fickle game? Absolutely. Well, it, it is, you know, and the first, you know, with Chris, you mentioned Chris and uh, Nathan before, and, uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough world we live in. Uh, and if you want to be a manager, uh, you, you've got to be prepared to take some, uh, some kicks in the nuts. <laughs> another immortal true. quote another immortal quote <laughs> <laughs> I'll clip that up for Twitter um, Temps before we go any other business anything you want to add I was just going to say I really enjoyed that hearty team as well that that um, combination up top in particular when Darren Huckabee came in on loan playing oh. behind uh, Marlon and Jono it was just, just great to watch and uh, never have I been so heartbroken as that second leg at Bramall Lane. I was a student living in digs on Bramall Lane and managed to get myself oh. in the lava stand. So I was just surrounded by blades as as that that tie um, unwound. But that 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 attacking intent and the way that that side was built with a core of academy lads and bringing in lads like you know Jono and, and Marlon. Uh, sorry, Jono and, and Darren Huckabee. Just a great season and still got fond memories of that. Yeah, I've never felt sicker again. It was, I hope I don't feel like that again. <laughs> I imagine it still stings for you even now, Paul. Yeah, I was going to say you should have been where I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a yeah. I, and, I, and I think you know, it's amazing. If you remember the, who was the referee in the first game, Klattenberg. With, uh, Klattenberg, he booked. He sent off Dorse in the 65th minute or something like that. And that was his first foul in the game. And he sent him off. Uh, and then, so we, we missed Dorse for the uh, for the second leg, but uh, John Thompson came in. And if you remember, he was brilliant. He did another academy player, he did brilliantly. And uh, uh, alongside Dez, and I think he'll up after a, a, period, a period of time. I Going into actually, we're still creating chances, you know. But listen, what a wonderful club. How, how fortunate am I to have been a part of Nottingham Forest as a footballer, uh, back in as a coach for a year with uh, with the gaffer uh, and as an academy manager and a manager. Blimey, don't get any better than that. Yeah, you've been a fine servant, a fine servant. Just um, quickly, any other business from me? Now, I promise Greg... That I'd give out a fancy Premier League update. I don't. I don't imagine you play fancy Premier League, Paul. But I'll give a quick update <laughs> on our league. Um, so, sixteen hundred teams. Top at the moment is Simon Huff, um, eighteen hundred sixty-six points. That's mental. And then I'll read out the rest of the top ten: Alex Mellows, Tom Rowley, Kate Howe, Joe Henry, James Coleman, Andy Hillier, uh, Greg's mate Christian Moody. The reason I'm doing this update is in eighth. And then uh, Matthew Neal, nine, and Joe Need in 10. I think I'm like 130 or something, so I'm doing all right. I won't say where Temps and the other lads are, but um, I thought I'd give out that update. And a film recommendation, because people ask me for it, which is mad. Uh, Ready or Not, recommended by Mikey, and that's on Disney+. Plus. It's called Ready or Not. Right, we've been going for an hour. Uh, Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, fellas. Uh, thanks for everyone who's watched along uh, and uh, do like and subscribe if you enjoyed it and spread the word. It's very much appreciated. Paul, I've got to say thank you very much as well. It's great hearing about the, the team of 2003 and Europeans on today. Yes. So hopefully you enjoyed that. 
Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Right. Have a good week, everyone. We'll keep going through the international break. We've got a few interviews and other bits and features. Then we'll be back with a preview of the Wolves game. And uh, yeah, God, let's hope Forrest win that one. But that's for another day. So thanks very much, everyone. We shall see you soon. <laughs>